Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening, thank you for giving my show a chance. And if this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuing to listen, listen to and support my podcast. Um, this is going to be a different type of episode. Um, I'm going to have an interview with someone who I admire and absolutely respect, um, indie wrestler Prince Adonis. And I'll also be paying tribute to um, Shad Gaspard and Hana Kimura, who we lost this week, along with um, basically sharing some of my feelings about the Dark Side of the Ring episode with the late Owen Hart, who tragically passed away 21 years ago um, today. So this is going to be a little different in terms of the vibe that I have, but hopefully you'll still stick with me as I discuss some of the things that were um, brought to a lot of wrestling fans attention this week and hopefully you know you'll still learn some things and you know just stick with me throughout so again welcome to hardy wrestling with me stephanie hardy Right. Welcome to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, our first ever wrestling guest. He is the former Nation of Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, Mid-South Premier Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, Mid-South Elite Wrestling Internet Champion, 2018 Ultimate Championship Pro Wrestling South Wrestler of the Year, and 2019-901 Classic Winner, Prince Adonis. Hello? Hello? Hey! <laughs> hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay, what's up? Uh, nothing much, what's up? Oh, nothing. Just out here trying to survive. <laughs> right, it's crazy out here right now. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, thank you so much for joining my podcast on today thank you so much oh no problem glad we finally got it uh, working but yeah i i'm I mean, <laughs> glad to be here oh man yeah um forgive technology and all of its splendor um <laughs> <laughs> so um adonis it's so good to be able to talk to you um, I have a couple of questions for you because I've always been fascinated with your um, journey since I've been following you on um, social media and everything. So I just, you know, you're my first wrestler. So, yes, this is good. All right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask you, when did you fall in love with wrestling and what keeps you in love with it? Okay. Pretty much like when I, uh, I, 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 I always kind of watch it with my granddad back in the day and then uh, I really got back into it around the time when uh, Attitude Era started mm-hmm. I've just been with it since then ever since then I just all those characters like caught my I mean even when I was little the characters caught my eye it was like um, uh, Macho Man and all those people kept caught my eye Jake the Snake then when I got older I started watching the guests kind of stopped then I started back and then it was like DX and I was kind of man DX is awesome I love DX and all that stuff and uh it was like Stone Cold or Rock, you know, that two era came around, New Age Outlaws, all those guys. 
caught my attention. So I was like, yeah, and I, and I really loved it then. And I, I liked it when I was little, but I loved it when I became a, a little older. Okay, so were you more so of a WWE guy or a WCW guy? Did you watch any WCW growing up? Yes, you know, and you know that's another thing that I think brought me back into was the Monday Night Wars. I remember people people talked about DX, but they talked about they also talked about like uh, NWO too. So I was like, hold on, what y'all talking about? I got to get into this again. <laughs> so I hopped back. It was um, it was Sting. I love Sting. And I loved, uh, what was it? Uh, NWO Red. You know, of course, Eddie Guerrero, when he was there, when he had the long mullet. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I loved all that. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's all right. The Cruiserweights, the Cruiserweights show, you know, the Cruiserweights wrestled first for the first hour or whatever, they wrestled. And I loved this. So they both had their pros and cons. I think WWE didn't have, they had some light, the light heavyweight division, but they weren't as big as WCW's cruiserweight division. But WCW had people from like Japan. They had all kinds of people, like people, people from Mexico, all kinds of people in that little cruiserweight division. And it was, it was just cool. Okay, so what in particular made you to decide to pursue it as a career? <laughs> this is funny. Okay, <laughs> so we, of course, after what I was through high school, we was watching the Attitude Era. So. We started this backyard federation type thing. So we did this backyard thing for like four years. And then um, they just they, they do it with us. He was like, man, I got a, uh, it's, it's a guy that runs a, a, a company in Memphis. So he's like, y'all want to go in there and, up there and try out? We can. And I was like, hey, okay. Because, you know, I, I, just always, I thought I could do it. I was like, okay, it's cool. I, I'll try out, you know. So that's that's what got me into it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I want to do it. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, you were just willing to just try this new thing and, you know, it actually turned out to do wonders for you then. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yep. So do you enjoy the independent wrestling circuit and what is the culture like? Because I find that for me, I've sort of watched everything on television in terms of the mainstream and I don't have like a lot of exposure into it. So if you would mind, you know, kind of delving into the culture of indie wrestling and also if you want to talk about what the city of Memphis is like as a wrestling city, then you can do that as well. Okay, yeah, it was uh, it's the indie wrestling scene is kind of weird because it's, you know, it's fun because you can kind of go different places and get your name out there like uh, cause at first, when I first started, I was just with one company for like, I don't know, five years. I didn't know because only because they didn't tell me because sometimes when you're in like the Indies or, or you're in a, uh, one company, they tell you don't go to other companies or don't do this, don't do that. They wanted to keep, they want to keep their talent. Like it was homegrown and they wanted to keep the talent there in the same place. So they would go out and, and explore and do other things. So once I figured out one of the guys left the company that we wrestled at. And he was like, "Hey, man, uh, I saw I saw him wrestling somewhere. Else. I was like, "Hey, well, how'd you get there?" And I asked him. I said, "Well, put me in contact with that promoter." So he put me in contact with that promoter. And then after that, like a, another guy, I think, because I, I think I was on kind of when you're like wrestling, you're on the, you're kind of on certain people's radar, wrestling other places. So, and I think they like people felt like because I was wrestling at that place that I wouldn't go anywhere else because that's how they run their uh, company. They, they, they try to talk the people out of going out and exploring. So when I finally got in contact with that guy, a uh, good friend of mine, Ken Dang, I, t- I talked to him about it. And then he said, well, I'm going I'm to I'm get you in touch with this guy, this promoter at RSWF. And we're going to, you know, 
help you get out of there at the door. So I went, <clears throat> went did RSWF, and then all of a sudden my inbox just started filling up with, with promoters at other places. Okay. <laughs> I just started like exploring a little bit more. Then I, at first I just did shows, different shows in Memphis and Mississippi, like South Haven and other places. Then all of a sudden, like, I got, I got a better car, so I started going further. Tennessee, further up in Tennessee, like, uh, we went to Jackson, I went to Ripley, I started going to different, so it's, it's kind of like, it's kind, it's not territories, it's just different areas in, like, in, in, the, in the state that you can go, like, it's not just one company that's, like, everywhere, because I know Memphis has, like, three or four wrestling companies, but I wrestled all of them. My first, my first goal was to be like, okay, I'm going to wrestle in all the companies in Memphis. After you know, after I broke broke out of that uh, that shell, I was like, I'm wrestling all companies in Memphis. Mm-hmm. That was my first goal. Then I was like, I'm gonna start. Like, I'm gonna go to Mississippi. Then I went to Mississippi. and I just started expanding and expanding, like going to different places. And you know, I'm gonna kind of slow down now because I have a little uh, three year old. But uh, like a year or two ago, I was just going out. I was just going everywhere. I was uh, had a match, had a show in North Carolina one time. Uh, I want to go. I still want to go to Texas, but I just I just started going out and branching out. Then I want. I said I want to wrestle in at least. 27 different promotions you know was, I, I wanted to set a goal that was reasonable but you know, I'm almost I'm halfway there so <laughs> okay that's good um so is the culture like with people you work with are they like supportive to a certain degree or um is there yeah. a level or is there just a level of just straight competition or whatever how's that like it's it's not really a uh a level of competition unless you're trying to build yourself in just one company like and, it's, and whoever's like some people want to be like the top guy at that company so you might have a little competition like as far as that goes like with the with with the person within that company but as far as as the brotherhood is real like it's nice because some i mean it's, it's it's it has its uh you know it's i don't know it's the way of being good for you and being bad for you at the same time because some people will like they'll try to they'll try but but so you know they try to talk talk about your name and put you down, but this never happened to me before because when I originally trained, uh, it was this guy, uh, Greeno Diamond and uh, CA Connor Dance One. They trained me, and they taught me how to stay out of drama. Mm-hmm. So when I go, I, you know, I always speak and I'm always talking to people. But if I hear somebody like saying something about somebody, I kind of step away. So they've taught me. So I got, I think I got a respect out of a lot of. Uh, other promotions because I never uh, uh, indulge myself into you know somebody saying something because like people ask you certain questions or whatever and you 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 know you got to kind of know how to answer them a little bit so once you get into it you but once 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 you get into it and somebody I, luckily I had somebody to tell me like kind of stay out of mm-hmm. out of drama so when I go to different places it's easy for me to get there people are always inboxing me like hey you want to come they want me to come and work at their shows because it's easy. Because they know I got a rep. I don't have a bad reputation. I have a positive, good reputation. I'll like if they want me to come out, maybe wear like dress up a little bit, go shake the promoter's hand, speak to him first, uh, speak to all the other guys. They ain't got to stand up. You you know you can stand up, shake all their hands, go check, go speak to everybody in the locker room before you seat, you know sit down or have your seat. So yes, yeah, it's, it's it's just all of, it's all about how you uh, carry yourself in the in the in the, in the promotions. Okay. That's really interesting because I never really thought about, you know, 
being able to carry yourself, you know, backstage to a certain degree. And I'm glad, you know, your trainers weren't just able to teach you in terms of athleticism, but also teach you in terms of how to treat people backstage. And right. how to, you know, set an example for that. That's really good. Like, right. that's not a thing that I ever thought about before, but that that is really good. Because sometimes, you know, in life, you have to be single-minded in terms of, you know, what your goal is. But then you also can't necessarily be, be out here acting all kinds of crazy either so that right <laughs> so that's actually really positive to actually hear that okay mm-hmm. so i do have to ask you a question about the crisis and how it sort of affected um independent wrestling um has has it affected it in any way shape or form that you've seen and has it affected your career in any way and do you think it could bounce back from it um it it hasn't uh, affected. It's it, it's it, actually it's hit the actual independent wrestling scene really really hard because most uh, shows make money off of. Not, I mean not not a lot of the big companies like the AEWs and the WWEs. The smaller companies make money off of people coming to the shows. Like they don't have TV uh, things where they have their TV sections where they they make money off of TV. They're making money off of people actually coming to the shows, buying merch. So I know a lot of the guys, um, it hurt them a lot. Like a lot of indie, it hurt a lot of shows and it hurt a lot of indie wrestlers. And I know like a few shows that said they weren't even going to start back up when, when this, when it's over, when everything's all said and done, they're not going to even start back up. Oh, wow. But I know a lot of shows that said they're going to open, they're going to start doing shows. So I guess it all depends on like the people's drive that, that they, they want to continue doing the shows. So, you know, you, they have like people, some people rent rings but some like some companies own their own rings so it's probably hit them hard but a lot of the people that lost their buildings they were used to you know lost the venues and it, it hurt them because they were they they, they have to pay because i know a lot of a uh, few companies like they have to pay rent like they have they have shows in a actual building that they pay rent to so i know it's hurting them because they actually have their rings still set up in those buildings so it's, it's hitting them hard i know it's hitting them hard but the guys that actually have the ring broken down and at their house like the promoters or the people that have rings, they're probably okay. But I know the ones that have have to pay rent. They are, yeah, they they hitting them bad. And, and I'm, you know, I'm all right though, because I, I have another like another income <laughs> like job, so I'm all right. But it, uh, yeah, I know, I know a lot of guys that are like trying to sell merch online. They're doing everything they can to to like like get some actual money because I don't th- I don't even think they can draw if they were just only wrestling. I don't think they can draw unemployment. So it's really hurting them. But yeah, that's why that's why if you go online, like if you if you go on like certain wrestling pages and stuff like that, people are trying to sell their merch on on on, on the page just because they ain't got no income at all right now. Mm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of guys that made their money on the road, like they, I know a lot of guys. That, see, I do, I do a few, you know, I do shows here and there. I do shows maybe every Saturday, but a lot of guys are wrestling uh, four days a week. They were going all over the place. They were driving their cars everywhere. They were they were doing shows, you know. They had shows like, like they were like it, it, it was uh, like it was their only source of income, like their their job, their is their dream. I mean, it's it's like it hurt them because they can't do anything but just sit at the house right now. Like they don't have if they didn't have any money saved up, they was kind of <laughs> hurt, mm-hmm. like real bad. Yeah, yeah. See, because I had seen a lot of um, posts about people selling t-shirts and all of the above you know because of the crisis and how it's affecting them but i just wanted to ask you because you kind of have a um front row seat to all of it so but i'm glad yeah. that you're doing you know okay you and yours are you know covered in that aspect but 
to everyone who's involved in it, I just, you know, hope that, you know, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. So, but I'm right, glad, right. but I'm glad to hear that you're actually doing okay in all of it. And, and, oh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, shows can, you know, definitely bounce back from it because it's just, it's kind of harming everyone in terms of wrestling. It's uncertain, but I just, yeah. Right. So I just had to ask ask you about that. And I also have another question for you, which stems from something that happened to me last year. Um, last year, it was on my anniversary. Um, we were, Me and my boyfriend were watching Monday Night Raw. And I saw you. <laughs> I saw you. And it happened so quick because we was watching Raw and then there was Seth Rollins and he had just been beat up. And all of a sudden... <laughs> I see this EMT that I, that's out here <laughs> and I see your head and I'm just like there's Adonis and he was just like what? And I said there's Adonis <laughs> and I freak out and then I post it and then everybody else is freaking out and then boom you said it was you and I'm like oh my god I saw somebody I knew <laughs> on TV like what? So basically what I want to ask you is um, what was the process of getting cast as an EMT on Monday Night Raw like? And had you ever, you know, considered the possibility of joining, you know, a bigger, more mainstream company like WWE or AEW or Impact or something like that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. It, okay, so let's start from the beginning. So what happened was, I just, I don't know, I sent them a... Um, <clears throat> Uh, application. They, you know, they was, they was, they was. Everybody was saying that WB is taking applications right now, so you should submit one. I was like, all right, cool. So I submitted one to the performance center, and then uh, I don't know. It was a long time though, because I, I did it. I think I did it in like November at one point. I don't think that show was in, like I can't remember when that show was. I think it was in like March or something like that. But I, 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 I put one in, and I got an email, and it was like. It was one of the executives. I thought this is a joke. Come on now, like this is not real. <laughs> this is this is like this is this is spam. So I, I kind of ignored it. But then one of the guys that has, that has actually done backstage work and he's been doing uh, uh, backstage work. This guy named Danny Dollar. He's been doing backstage work for them for years. So he was like, "Hey man, accept like that's real. Like accept that." I, I, he said, "I told he, what he told me was I told them about you." Mm -hmm. I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Yeah, I, e I emailed. I emailed the man. It was John Cone. John Cone's actually a referee and executive. But he said I emailed him about you, and and he inboxed you. He, was, he was like, did you put an application?' I was like, "Yeah." He said, "He said, yeah, that's real. Go ahead and 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 fill out that. And I mean, go ahead and accept it." I was like, "What?" So I accepted it. And the the the, the months leading up to it, because they was like, "We need you for two shows. We need you for because they, they did uh, Raw. You know, it's in Arkansas." And then they did the SmackDown in Memphis. They was like, we got, we, we need you for two shows. So I was like, oh, okay. So I just, you know, I just accepted it. I did, I did a little blood work that I had to do to get in. And then they, they you know, I, I was nervous the whole time. But I think I rode, because Danny stays in Memphis. He was like, well, you want to carpool? I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's carpool. So I rode with him. And um, at first they were saying, they was like, um, he was like, uh, did you have all your blood work and stuff? I was like, yeah, I sent all that stuff in. So I thought... It was when we first got there. It was amazing. First off, it was just everything was just amazing. Then, you start, then I started seeing Russell's. I was like, oh my god, okay, this is crazy. But 
I'm a, I'm, I'm a wrestler, so I got to stay professional. I couldn't mark out. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they, if they spoke, they spoke. They shook your hand. They just had to shake their hand. I was like, okay, cool. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Told them what my name was. And then um, I think we went out to the ring. Uh, it was it was empty, of course. And we went out to the ring. And Viking Raiders was out there. And um, uh, one of the guys was like, okay, we're going to pick who's going to wrestle them. So I was like, oh, crap. This, this is real. So I thought I was gonna get. He was like, "How long has everybody been wrestling? Everybody been wrestling? Everybody told him how long they've been wrestling." And then he was like, "I told him like ten years or whatever." And he was like, "I guess I didn't." He didn't. He was like, "Okay, well, they picked." They was like, "All right, they picked two guys." I was like, "Crap, I didn't get picked." So I thought I wasn't gonna do anything. I was like, I'm just gonna "Sit here," and um, <laughs> being the back. I mean, it was cool. I was in the back. But I was like, "I'm probably not gonna get used on TV or nothing." I'm probably just gonna sit in the back. So we were sitting in the back eating catering, and um, oh, what was it? Bruce Pritchard came back there. No, 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 no. It was oh my god, what's that guy's name? I can't think of his name right now. But he he walked back. He he said no, it was Bruce Pritchard. He was like, hey, what are y'all doing? I was like, me and the other guy that was MT, we were like nothing. Uh, he was like, y'all want to do y'all? We need y'all for something. Y'all want to y'all want to work? Y'all want to do something? We was like, yeah, okay, cool. So they was like, they, of course they was just walking around. They wouldn't tell us what we were doing. They, we were just walking around like we didn't know what was going on. So they was like, go get them some EMT outfits. Get some EMT outfits. And I was like, all right, well, who, who are we EMT with? And they was like, okay, we're finna have a meeting. So we stood in the hallway, me and the other guy. And this other guy had been had, had done, of course, he had done the uh, uh, backstab. He had done stuff before for WWE, too. So he wasn't worried about it. He's like, oh, they're fine. They'll find something to do with it. They might, they might not. So I was like, okay, cool. So we're standing back there waiting. And Brock Lesnar walks up and put his arm on my shoulder. I was like, what the? So I was, you know, I was like, oh, what's going on oh. here? Then Seth, Roll- then Seth Rollins comes up. Oh my god! And they <laughs> <laughs> they were talking to us. And then uh, Paul Heyman comes up. He was like, "What's your name?" I was like, and I told him what my name was. He was like, "How long you been wrestling?" And I told him I love Paul Heyman because he always look looking for talent anyway. So I'm like, I'm really tired of talking to him. So he, he and I was like, because I remember they tell you don't talk to the talent unless they say something to you. So I was just talking. I was like absorbing. I was like, okay. So if he he's asking me questions, so I'm going to talk to him because it's Paul Heyman, and I want to talk to him because he's Paul Heyman. So I was talking to him, and then they was like, okay, we're going to use all in this segment. And then they went over whatever we was going to do. And then I hear a little raspy voice walk up. And, of course, I turn around this oh. event. I was like, oh, my God. It's just, it's just, this is everything right here. Like, this is crazy. And I was like, all right. I know I'm in, I'm in some main event stuff at this point. <laughs> if all of them had walked up and started talking to us, I know I'm doing some main event stuff at this point. And they was like, y'all in the main event segment. Y'all in the main event segment, and y'all gonna come back. Y'all gonna go get self and bring them back to the back. I was like, oh my god, uh, and I thought I wasn't doing nothing. And then I ended up being in, in, in like the main segment on on USA. I was I was amazed. Wow. It was it was man. It was just it's, it's, I can't explain. It. It's just <laughs> it was awesome. Yep. And I would yeah. And and if they, if, they, if given a chance, I would go on a heartbeat. Like if they if they would have called me, I'd pack up my family and just go. It's, yeah, I, I go down there. Yeah, because you know what's so funny? When I was actually watching a couple of your matches on YouTube, um, when as I was watching you wrestling, just your swagger and how you come out and all that, like, I can see you on NXT someday. Like, I can <laughs> see you on NXT one day, you know, just chopping up all of them and just being, you know, like, 
having your own personality and everything and fighting all the people on there you know all the new talent and then maybe like the even the mainstays and all of that like it's just like watching you in the indie show was just kind of like looking at you know a very you know bare bones version of nxt when i think of that and 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 it's just like i love you know your energy and i like your style and i also definitely like your theme music (laughs) (laughs) i love your theme music because it reminds me of coming to america like a hip-hop version of that intro that they did for the king and it's just like (laughs) i love this song like i like this okay you know (laughs) so I definitely would love to see you, you know, if if the opportunity were to ever arise, I'm putting this out there in the universe. I'm speaking it. Um, yeah, you know, you know, if I'm speaking it, you know, if you get on NXT, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be so proud of you. Um, <laughs> I'm proud of you anyway, but you know, like, if you get on there, I'll be like, yes! But yeah. Um, so, I have another question. Um, are you really of Ugandan ancestry? <laughs> yes. Oh, you are okay. <laughs> I'll let you explain that. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I did. Uh, what do you call that thing? Did you take the DNA test and it stra- tra- uh, tra- traces all the way back to your ancestry? I definitely it, ancestry. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. But I did it, and uh, I did one of those, and I was like, um, at first, I was just gonna say I was from. You know, I just wanted my actually ex- that gimmick did come from coming to America. It, it was a mixture of coming to America and Black uh-huh. Panther. So I was just gonna say I was from Kenya or somewhere. You know, I was just gonna name a random place. And then I did some ancestry stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, I am part Ugandan. I don't know how much percent. Like I can't remember. Like fifty uh, percent, something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Who's?" Uh, I was like, "Uganda actually still has uh, royalty, like princes and stuff." So I was like, "I just be like a Ugandan prince," mm-hmm. and so that's what I went with. Because uh, before, I was just you know, and you know how indie wrestlers don't re- some indie wrestlers don't really have gimmicks; they just wrestle on their name. Like I was just wrestling as Adonis Staples, and I was like, "That was that was my, that was my thing for like I don't know about." Uh, six years I was just wrestling as myself you know mm-hmm. I didn't really have a gimmick I didn't have anything and then once I started as soon as I started that gimmick I started getting a lot a lot more bookings because I, I added so much more to my character so mm-hmm. I, was, I just started getting more bookings from from this, from that uh, character change adding, add, me adding that to my gimmick and then I got a manager I was like okay my, my best friend he was like uh he, he wanted to get into the business a long time ago and he was, and I was like he trained with me uh, like when we first started training but he didn't finish the training but then I was like man I'm, I'm gonna get you in uh, one way or another so we, we did an indie show and I was still just Adonis Staples and I was like uh, I let him manage me and uh, he did I thought he did really good so he was like I was like look you're gonna be my semi <laughs> when I start this mm-hmm. new gimmick and so uh, we did. We did a show at uh, Marvel Elite. This um, it was in Memphis. It was uh, Marvel uh, Miss Alpha Elite Wrestling MEW. And uh, this guy was like, at first he was like, "No, nah, we're not gonna use him. We're not gonna use him." Then the next show came, and uh, he just started using him. He's like, "Okay, he can go out with you. Fine, that's fine. He can go out with you." So then my fr- he started coming out there and just screaming at the hollering at the fans. So uh, he always you know how you know how Sammy was kind of mm-hmm. mean. That's how his gimmick was, and I was still like. 
uh, Eddie Murphy. Even though I was a heel, I was still like grinning and, and smiling. And he was so mean. And he used to walk out the crowd and they used to start booing him as soon as he mm-hmm. came out the crowd. Like, cause he, he always came up before me. So I was like, okay. So we worked with that for years, like maybe like two or three years. We worked with that, with that, with that gimmick. As far as me being, then I had to turn babyface and I had to turn on him for a little bit. So when I started the new with my vest, I was like militant type leader deal, like this militant prince. So that's what I'm doing now. And of course, when I turn back like that, guess who comes back? They bring him back. He comes back with oh, me wow. again with his vest on. So fans were like, oh my God, I hate it. I hate it. They, they hated it. They, they were so happy when I dropped him. But I, then I was babyface for like a year. Then I was like, okay. It's getting kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> this, this grinning is getting kind of stale. All right, so I got that. And I, and I, I went and I talked to this guy. And uh, this uh, this guy here, uh, he also gave me a chance to really talk on the mic and be myself. He was like, "You're not. why are they not using you like this? Because I think if uh, when I started wrestling for a while, he was like, they're kind of making a joke out of your character. The, not, not my manager, but the, the new booker. He was like, they're making a joke out of your character. So I want to bring you in. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make your character. We're gonna, you know, I like your character. I like your gimmick. But we don't. We're not gonna make you a joke character. We're gonna make you. You're gonna actually. Because you, you're actually a good athlete. We want you to actually be, you know, actually wrestle. Like have have really really good matches. Like if you if you want to go out there and, and like showcase, instead of wrestling for 15 minutes, you can wrestle for 20 to 30 minutes if you want. We, we're gonna showcase your talent. And he was like, and he really, he really wanted to use me. He really started pushing me real good. And he was like, uh, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, we're going to let you talk on the mic. We're going to let you, because I didn't really do a lot of mic talking anyway. But then like, but I knew I could because of, because of The Rock. I really loved The Rock. And I was like, man, I knew I could talk. If, if somebody just give me a chance to just run my mouth on, on get the microphone and just let me go, mm-hmm. I can go. And that's, and you know. And that's what I always, I've always wanted to, because I knew I could. I was like, I know I can talk on the mic. So if somebody just give me a chance to talk on the mic, I'm talking, and I'm you know I'm just gonna go crazy with it. So that's what I did. And with the with the face character, I couldn't really say what I wanted. I could say you know I could say certain things, but when I went heel, the 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 militant heel, I could really say what I wanted. And I I really enjoy I really enjoy that because that's that's what I'm doing now. So I really really enjoy that. <laughs> okay. Now I do have another question. Um, what is your proudest wrestling achievement thus far, and um, what goals do you have for your career? And do you have any dream opponents? Yeah, well, my well, of course you probably know my proudest achievement at this point is WWE. Uh, like no, no questions about it. No questions asked. You learn a lot of, a lot of. You get into, uh, uh, you know, in indie shows you can only learn so much. But when you go in at WB and the production and all the stuff is just like, and it's kind of funny that everybody's not as tall as they look on TV. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that, I had to point that out. No, nobody's as tall as they look on TV because I was a lot of those guys' heights. Me and uh, me and Ricochet were the same height. Uh, I was like, man, wait, these guys ain't as big as I thought. And me and AJ Styles, I was like, wait, these guys are smaller. Some of them because Randy Orton looked like a monster. Drew McIntyre looked like a monster, of course. Brock Lesnar, he he was tall, but he wasn't. He didn't look like a monster, but he was his wide, like he's yeah. really wide. So I was like, oh, oh, but a lot of those guys, you were like, hey, hey, you, y'all ain't that big. So I, was, I thought that was cool to know to see that I was like almost as tall as a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers that I liked and a lot of idols that I had. <laughs> yeah, but that's my number one goal, and well, that was my number one achievement. And my dream opponent would be 
Kenta. I always say I would love to wrestle Kenta. And um, yeah, I, I, see, a lot of my opponents are like um, Japan people. I would love to wrestle. Like I would love to wrestle. I would love to wrestle Kenta. Uh, that's number one. I, uh, Cody Rhodes. Um, I can't just name one. No, <laughs> Cody Rhodes. Yeah, Naito. If I had one in WWE, it'd probably be uh, Finn, because that's I love Finn. Like he's one of my favorites too. So Finn would be a, a good one. Um, what was I about to say? Yeah, and that, that that'd be. Just, what, that's your ex, I think. I think. Uh, <laughs> what you ask after that? Um, basically, um, you basically answered all the questions because I, you know, I asked you what your proudest achievement was and what goals you have for your career, and do you have any dream opponents? So you basically answered all of those. Okay. Oh yeah, and I do want to. A lot of my friends, like a lot of guys that I've worked with personally and wrestled with currently, have been to AEW and wrestled the AEW Dark. So I have to get in that door because uh, I know Marco Stunt mm-hmm. personally. I have to get in the door. I know uh, one of the guys from um, they coined the guy from a uh, private party. I know I know yeah. those guys. So I just like, and I know they got some more people on. Like they they help them get in the door. So. If if I could if I could get in there and just wrestle on AW Dark, I would love to do that. Oh, that too. would be amazing. Now it's so funny that you mentioned <laughs> private party because I was actually I actually um mentioned them earlier in well, I was basically recording my segment to pay tribute to um Shaq Gaspard. Um and mm-hmm. I was and I had mentioned that um, Crime Time had actually opened the doors for people like the Street Profits and the New Day and um, Private Party to sort of be who they are. So I did right. want to ask, you know, how did you feel um, to not really want to transition to something that was really sad, but um, just wanted to just discuss something that actually did happen this week in terms of Shad Gaspard um, and also with and also with Hana as well. Oh yeah. So how did so how were did you react to all to all of this news on this week? Oh, it's it's just terrible. It's, I think it was like a bad day. I'm I'm worried now because you know I, I always say things come in threes. So I'm just hoping that it doesn't come true with like the wrestling community because it's just this this is like I don't know. And then the cyberbullying, all that stuff is. It's just wrong. Like, I was like, like, what, 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 was, what was being said that, you know, that that made her go so far and it, and it, it hurt her that bad. And I was like, man, that's crazy that that stuff could turn wrong, like wrong like that. As far as the, as far as the Chad thing, I'm kind of proud of him because he's a real real superhero. Like for him to tell them to take his son instead of him, that just meant like everything to me. It's being a father that meant everything. But I hate, you know, when I, I know they kept saying like they're they calling off the search. I was like, oh man, it's like I was like, my heart dropped. I was like, it's, it's, it can't, it can't get no better from here if they, if they, if they can't find. Because when I, when they didn't find him Sunday, I was mm-hmm. like, man, maybe Monday, maybe mm-hmm. Monday. And then I was like, and then they didn't say anything else. Uh, they didn't say anything else like in the news outlets and things all day Monday. I was like, mm. then they called off the search. And then I was like, man, how he gonna turn up after a while? Like, and then he did. I was like, shh. Yep, and it hurt, and it hurt a lot of people like that. I kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of friends with like Elijah Burke. Uh, I follow him, like me and him are friends on Facebook, and like 
he watches my stories every once in a while. And I always, I'm always hopping on his lives when he's uh, on there talking. It hurt him so bad, mm-hmm. and it was like a lot. A lot of the wrestlers that I follow, because I follow, I mean, I'm not friends with a lot of guys, but I, I know. And when Coffee posted what he posted on Instagram, I was like, oh my god, yeah. And J- oh my god, and JTG, I didn't even want to see what he was gonna post. I was like, man, I don't want to see it because, because I I watched that video because I think somebody posted that video before they found him. They posted a video of MVP and him crying when right. Coffee won the belt. I, and now when they first showed that I cried and when they showed it again I cried again when they showed it I was like man and I cried about it and yeah, I remember MVP said something about he didn't want Chad to share that but now that he shared it he feels you know he feels like he's, he, he, he said he called him and apologized uh, to him before, you know when he uh, he called and apologized to him he was like you know what that, that, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean what I said to you about you posting that video I thought it was, should have been an intimate moment but it's fine, you know. He told him it was all right that he shared it. Like, uh, I think that's like there's some some along the lines like that what he said, and then people were sharing it again, and it was just like it was it was it was truly heartbreaking. It was like man, that's that's crazy. And I was just sitting up <laughs> sitting up by myself, like crying. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, yep. I just said I just cried about it because I was like, man, that's it was just sad. It is, and but ultimately, I just try to just sort of think about it in a sense of just to remember him for all the joy he brought and also for Mm -hmm. um and just for him and his contributions you know to society outside of wrestling you know because he had you know another career outside of that in terms of doing you know movies and and, you know video game stuff for god of war and um yeah i saw him i saw him in harley quinn and uh, birds of prey like he yeah, so like, I just try to sort of, you know, remember him for the person that he was. He was selfless. He, you know, stopped a robbery mm-hmm. at one point. Like, he was really like a, like, yeah, he was I remember really that. selfless out here. And I believe that's really, you know, the beautiful part about, you know, his spirit is just the fact that he was so very selfless in, you know, doing what he wanted to do and selfless in the idea that he was trying to take care of his child. And as a parent, right. you know, that's that's as I imagine it that's all you can ask for because I'm not I don't have any children but all I would imagine is if I was a parent maybe I would do the same thing so you know right so I will end this interview by thanking you so much for coming um on my podcast because I'm just starting this thing so it's just kind of like you know I just I'm just really grateful that you are my first wrestling interview and I'm just <laughs> really excited for all that's about to happen to you in your career and I just wish you absolutely nothing but the best. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me on. Thank you for uh, thinking about me or considering me being your first wrestling guest. So, and I hope it uh, I hope it does well. Like I hope your your podcast does well because it's something you knew, knew you're doing, right? It's like it's something new that you're just um, not starting. I started up. it most like near the end of January is when I started it. So, um, I try to do it every every once in a while, like every weekend, you know, because I work as well. So I just try to do it every weekend because I just wanted to, you know, just do some wrestling content because it just felt natural to me. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really, you know, it's just me as a fan just sort of talking about all the things I'm passionate about in terms of wrestling. So it's coming along great and I'm grateful every day for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Well, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> and keep up, keep up the work. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll take off. It'll pay off All in right. the end. Thank you so much for coming on my show. <laughs> All right. All right. No problem. Had a All good right. time. You'll be good. <laughs> Have a good day. All right. Bye bye. You too. You too. All right, so I'm going to start my tribute um, component of this episode by talking about Hana Kimura, who we lost on yesterday. Um, the news broke like late last night and early this morning about how this incredibly promising 22-year-old um, girl who came from a wrestling family just was dealing with some demons and then... Um, they found out that she was dead and it was announced on, um, Stardom Wrestling's, um, Twitter page. They're another wrestling organization based in Japan and they announced that she had passed away and they asked for thoughts and prayers for the family. And it caught me off guard last night because number one, sadly enough, I hadn't heard of her up until this point, but it saddened me to hear about any person, you know, losing their life um in whatever way that they're speculating how it happened but it sort of hurt me to know that she was going through so much pain inwardly to make her you know feel like it just wasn't worth it anymore and I don't want to make any you know assumptions of how she passed but from what people are saying on Twitter what happened to her was the fact that she issued a string of social media posts that implied that she had been cyberbullied online due to a characterization on a reality show called um, Tara's House. And filming had been suspended due to the crisis. But on the show, um, from what I heard, she had gotten to a confrontation with someone on the show and she had been cyber bullied endlessly and she was talking about how there was about over a hundred posts today basically critiquing her and basically thanking her mother for giving her a life that she in which she wanted love and she said goodbye in her last Instagram post with her cat and I believe a lot of people on Twitter were saying that she had even posted pictures well not pic well yeah posted pictures of her possibly self-mutilating and um it saddens me to no end that a person who is as young as she is it would it's sad if if it happens to anyone but someone who is as young as she is who had so much promise as a women's wrestler and who's worked with so many people even in wwe oscar um released a statement in japanese um stating on twitter that she had that she remembered watching her come to wrestling matches with her grandmother and how she had actually met her and worked with her and now she's gone in the blink of an eye and what makes it worse is just the fact that there are people online to a certain degree who will literally troll you to the point to where, you know, they'll make a person who they don't have any clue is actually feeling all these fragile feelings who are probably hanging on um, by a thread. And then once you say all of these terrible words to them and make them feel like they're crap, 
it knocks them off of that one thread and it makes them feel like there's no point anymore. And it saddens me that we'll never truly see her fullest potential in what she was able to do. Um, she had won a couple of championships, you know, and a couple of awards to her name, especially being ranked in the PWI Women's Wrestling 100 and a lot of different things. And it just breaks my heart to know that even in the midst of every good thing that she was able to contribute to people's lives professionally and personally, um, she felt like no one cared about her. And mentally, that's a dark place to be in. And my heart goes out to her family and her friends um, and how they now have to deal with a world without her now. And I just want anyone who's listening to this show to understand me and hang on to my voice as I'm saying this. You absolutely matter. You have a place and a purpose in this world. And if you are feeling like you have dark feelings, please reach out for help. You can even come to me for help, you know, message me, you know, I'm on all social media platforms, message me or just, you know, ask me anything or, you know, you can just talk to me about anything. But definitely, if you can't, you know, reach out to someone who you feel truly cares about you and doesn't just love you conditionally be, you know, please don't, you know, just if you're feeling all of these feelings, please reach out to someone because I believe anyone in your life would much rather have you reach out to them before you decide to make before it's too late. And, you know, I just want everyone to know that you absolutely matter who you are matters. The light that you bring matters. And don't let anyone tell you different. Don't let anyone who decides to say negative things about you or magnify, you know, the mistakes that you make, make you feel like that you don't matter either. Please, you matter to me, to anyone who listens to this podcast. You absolutely matter. And I just want to use this time to say rest in peace to Hana Kimura and may her soul find rest. So now as a second part to this um, tribute component, I want to talk about Owen Hart, um, whose tragic passing 21 years ago today rocked the wrestling world from then all the way up until now. And now I remember my journey with it was the fact that I saw their tribute show when I was a child. This is 1999. And I was like, kind of, I just didn't know what was going on at the time. So as I've gotten older, of course, I've been able to sort of gain more and more understanding of what happened to him at that point. And I want to start this by saying, of course, um, there's nothing but love and respect from me to the Hart family and everything that they went through in this process and with the grieving process and all of it, you know, um, an episode which was the season finale of Dark Side of the Ring came out um, Tuesday. 
talking about um, Owen Hart and what type of person he was as a family man and a husband and a father. And what was discussed was all the events that took place before and after he passed. And I can't detail the entire story because it's not my story to tell. So I would suggest that you would watch that episode. Um, if that's what you want, please watch that episode if you want to gain more understanding about the situation. But Owen Hart passed away from injuries he sustained from a fall, from being released from a harness from the top of a building um, that was having a pay-per-view at the time that was called Over the Edge in Kansas City. And as he fell, the cameras were sort of off of the ring for a while. And then it was Jim Ross, who's a legend in the commentary, um, in the wrestling commentary space, had the unfortunate um, responsibility, as he called it, to announce that he had passed away in front of all those people. And I think the worst part about the entire situation to me that resonated hard was the fact that the wrestlers had to keep going. All the people who he worked with um, were called upon to keep the show going after that. And even after they had heard the news, like there were people who were still forced to have to go on pay-per-view and pretend like none of this was going on. And I think that along with the trauma that it put on the Hart family and how it basically sort of separated them to a certain degree was just the worst part of all of it. Because when someone is lost in that way, I really feel like when you're in the entertainment business, if someone is lost in a show atmosphere like that they should be given space to either process what's going on and space to grieve and I really feel like they truly weren't given that space back then now now I'm pretty sure to a certain degree they would give their superstar some space to feel everything and to understand um what's happening and the gravity of it but back then it was not the best choice and I will say this, though, I respect everything that Owen Hart had done. In watching the clips, I was able to understand what type of wrestler he truly was. And when you come from the Hart dungeon, you are basically destined for success in this wrestling business in any way, shape or form. And since he came from Stu and Helen Hart, who were promoters who had those 12 children, including him and Brett to the Hitman Hart, um, he had all of the technical wrestling prowess to make it and be successful he was a multiple time tag team champion he was even king of the ring at one point and um he was a two-time intercontinental championship european champion like he had it all and i feel like he sort of got a little bit lost in the shuffle in terms of how they were booking him because they weren't sure how to book a straight up wrestler, you know, to get over on television, you know, as a character. And it saddens me that him having to go back to the whole superhero blue blazer character ultimately led to him possibly basically led to him losing his life. And what I will say is this, is that 
one of another like a completely telling moment in the show was when um Dr. Hart his wife mentioned that as he was falling a lot of eyewitnesses said that they heard him saying look out and I believe that's incredibly telling of the type of man he was he was selfless that even in his last few moments he was looking out for all those people and basically asking them to you know but not even asking them but just telling them to just look out as he was falling to his um transition and I just want to say that on this show he was a great wrestler what he gave and the inspiration that he gave for Canadian wrestlers everywhere and just wrestlers period will always live on and all the work that's done under his name under the Owen Hart Foundation to help families will always live on forever and I hope that he's always looked at and admired as a wrestling legend and I hope that his spirit is resting in eternal peace and that he has happy trails. All right, in this last tribute, I will be paying tribute to Shad Gaspard. Um, to us wrestling fans, he was a part of the tag team tandem Crime Time in the WWE. They had two tenures with the WWE where they worked, and they were both sort of characterized as, um, I want to say black gangsters, and... <laughs> I'm trying to say that, you know, I'm trying to say that to sound as best as I possibly can. They were characterized as basically black gangsters and they were going around causing mischief, you know, stealing random stuff, making people laugh and all of the above. And I remember when I was a kid, it's just kind of like looking at, you know, looking at them, you know, it's just kind of like looking at people, you know, sort of pretending to be rappers or something. But, um... Watching it back, watching some of the stuff back now, it's like I can look at it and laugh to a certain degree. And as I think about their tag team work, I just can't help but some of their outlandish stunts, you know, basically walked so people like the New Day and the Street Profits and um, Private Party on AEW could run. And I absolutely appreciate Shad and JTG for what they brought to the table. Now, outside of wrestling, um, Shad Gaspard had a little bit of a movie career. um, And he also was a body double for the God of War video game um, for Kratos, if you guys know about that. And he was also known for basically stopping a robbery at some point, I believe in 2016. And he had moved on and proceeded to you know get married to this beautiful woman Siliana Gaspard and had a child um who is now 10 years old and last week the news came out that as Venice Beach opened up um Shad and his son went to the beach which was like one of their favorite places to go and they got caught up in a riptide and along with that riptide there was and a lifeguard who was trying to recover them both from the water. And 
Shad was absolutely selfless in the idea that he wanted the lifeguard to save his son first. And as he said, save his son first, and the lifeguard was able to recover his son, he turned back around and Shad was gone. Now, at this point, a lot of people on social media were hoping and praying that he was going to be okay, you know, and he was going to be recovered, you know, and maybe he had swam ashore or all of the above. But as of Wednesday, it was not the case. And they recovered him and his body and he was dead. And at the age of 38 and that just devastated me and it gutted me and I felt like I really couldn't um focus because it was just like I was I think I like everyone else was just hoping for the very best in that situation but the one thing the common denominator after having found out about um a lot of the stuff that Owen Hart had gone through prior to his death and also with Shad Gaspard and how he transitioned into the next life. I find it telling that the both of them were selfless in the idea that they were looking out for the people around them. Owen Hart was looking out as he was falling for, you know, the people beneath him. And Shad was looking out for his son and he was being the ultimate father. And I know I've I've never been a parent in my life, but I would hope that if I were to ever become a parent, that I would want the best for my child. And he really did seek to protect his child in that situation. And he will always be a hero to me and he will always have my respect. And I believe yesterday they did a tribute to him on the same beach with pictures of him, pictures of his family, pictures of him, you know, doing wrestling stuff and um, pictures with him and his son. There was one beautiful picture, which was, I believe, the last picture he posted on his Instagram of him holding his son. And you can tell that his family was his whole world. And there were also clips of him hanging out at Wale Mania last year for WrestleMania with um, a lot of different wrestling personalities, including Kofi Kingston. And he was watching, and then there's also another video that's running around on social media where he was watching Kofi Kingston win the title last year with MVP and how both visibly emotional they both were. And honestly, it seemed like he was always out there, you know, living his best life and putting his best self out there, even at the point of sacrificing himself. And I want to give my thoughts and prayers to his fans in Brooklyn because someone else that I follow and listen to a lot on YouTube. Chisel Adonis said Brooklyn, you know, has taken an L and wrestling fans have taken an L and we collectively have this week. Um, and I absolutely agree with those sentiments. Um, I salute Shad Gaspard. And there's also a GoFundMe account raising money for the family right now um, that's up. I know authors of wrestling had put it up on Instagram, but maybe I'll and I, maybe I'll post it on my um, podcast page outlets if you have a mind to donate. But I just 
I'm just grateful for Shad Gaspard's legacy. I'm grateful for everything that he contributed to the wrestling business, but also grateful for how he contributed to the lives of others. And I wish him and his, his, I wish his spirit Godspeed. And I hope he is at rest. And I hope that he is a now part of the wrestling, the wrestling Valhalla of all those great people who are wrestling each other and fighting each other, you know, in heaven right now. So this is it for the tribute segment of this show. So collectively, I would like to say rest in peace to Owen Hart, rest in peace to Hannah, and rest in peace to Shad Gaspard. Thank you so much for listening in on this special show. I know it was different than my other episodes, but this week was just a lot to handle and a lot to process in terms of everything that we had gone through as a wrestling community, but we are strong and we are resilient and we are powerful. So um, I would just encourage us to share all kinds of happy memories. And I do want to thank Adonis for coming on my show and actually, you know, us having a good conversation and good vibes all around. And I just want to leave you guys um, with this. Always know that who you are just truly matters in the grand scheme of life. And always do your very best to put forth good energy in the world because you just never know when it could all end and when everything can just change in the blink of an eye. So with that in mind, I thank you for joining in on my show today. And I hope that you continue to follow me on all of my social media platforms. That's at Hardy WrestlePod on Twitter and at Queen Steph Hardy on Twitter as well. And at Queen Steph Hardy on Instagram and at Hardy Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. And I also have a new Facebook page. Um, that's the Hardy Wrestling um, with Stephanie Hardy Facebook page where I post about different events and different stuff that I have going on with the um, with the different shows that's happening and the different stuff I have going on with my show um, and different guests and all of the above. So also, if you want to reach out and actually talk to me on those platforms, you definitely can because I actually did talk to a fan um this week about his son being a sixth grade wrestling champion so that was really an amazing conversation to have so if you have any questions that you want to bring my way you know or swing my way you can always message me on any of those platforms and I can discuss it here on the show so with that in mind um thank you so much for listening and I hope that you have a fantastic weekend and even better week and until next time this is Hardy Wrestling with your girl Stephanie Hardy Bye, y'all.